1: Hello, I'm Emma Kennedy. Welcome to Why, the podcast that asks the big questions about science, and sometimes the strange little ones too. How about this one? Do animals have regional accents? Let me explain. If I had a superpower, there's only one I want, the ability to have a conversation with my dogs. I have two multi-poos. One is smart enough to go to university. The other has bubbles for brains. But because I can't have a conversation with them, I do what most dog owners do and give them voices. My dogs came from a family in Barnsley, so I always hear their voices in a Barnsley accent. You call that a thrower? Stupid, right? Or is it? Turns out, dramatic drum roll, please, that dogs really do have accents. According to the Canine Behaviour Centre in Cumbria, Dogs' voices really do have regional inflection because a dog's owner's speech and language influences the way a dog vocalises. So dogs in Liverpool will bark with a higher pitch whilst dogs in Scotland have a lighter tone. But what about animals that just hang out with other animals and have minimal or no human contact? Do they have regional accents
0: too? Let's find out birds have clearly regional dialects and then people who listen to them a lot would very likely you know associate the calls to the birds they know.
1: Elodie Mandelbriefer is Associate Professor of Animal Behaviour at the University of Copenhagen.
0: So it depends what you mean by accents and dialects. So there are different things we can look at. We can look at accents, which are basically just some small changes. So an animal producing one call, but then the features of the call will change slightly. And when we talk about actual accents, it means that these uh, differences are learned.
1: I've read that there's such a thing as a cockney quack and a West Country moo. Surely that can't be true.
0: It is actually, at least from some species, for example, goats. We found out that they do have proper accents, as we think it is. When they grow up in a specific group, then their calls over time will converge. They will become more similar over time, which is quite surprising because we originally thought that all these species... There is no influence on the calls except what is innate, so what they just produce from birth. But actually, we found out that at least on goats, they do modify their calls over time. So that might also be the case for cows, for example. That would be exactly what we have in humans. So, human accents, we know where we have our pitch is changing a bit more depending on where we are, and and we pronounce things differently. So, location. Of the animal does actually play a factor. For instance, like if a duck's in a
1: busy city, that that's going to sound different from a duck that's in a sleepy village, because I, I presume it's it's battling noise.
0: Yeah. So for species that actually can modify their sounds to some degree. They will then definitely adapt to their environment. So animals that are in very busy cities, they will either shift their frequencies up so they can hear each other or they will talk louder. So they might definitely change their sounds depending on whether they're in a very noisy place or or a very calm place. The fact that they shift frequencies up happens very often with songbirds because they are vocal learners. They can change their sounds. They can definitely adapt very much. We know that they have frequencies that are higher, like above the traffic noise when they live in cities. It's interesting you mentioned
1: songbirds there because, again, I read that small songbirds have regional variations. And I was wondering how large are those regional variations? Are we we talking town to town or county to county? Or would it be larger than that?
0: So in birds, we will talk more about dialects and accents. So accents would be, you know, the same call or the same sound that is slightly changed in frequencies or duration or or uh, these kind of features, depending on when, where the animals grow up. But when we talk about dialects, it's more about which sequence they make. So songbirds, they will usually produce songs that are made of several, what we call syllables, labels, several small units. And then they will arrange them in a different way, depending on, on where they are from. So that's really what we We call dialects, so a certain way of arranging these syllables. And so they can be on all kinds of regional distances. So depending on how isolated the populations are. So, for example, when I studied Skylarks during my PhD, they were in a fragmented area where we studied them in France. They were living in, in fields and separated by cities. And in that case, because they don't really mix these two small communities, you could have dialects as small as two kilometers away.
1: I suppose I want to ask how you can tell that an animal has got an accent. There's singing gibbons in Southern Asia. And there's a version of the guinea pig that lives in in Africa called the rock hyrax. And both are reputed to have highly localised dialects. What I want to get my head around is how you know what the base dialect is in order to decide that they have a highly localised dialect.
0: Right. So the difficulty is to know if it is indeed a dialect, which means that it's learned. So these differences are basically learned. One option might be, of course, to, you know, isolate individual and, and raise it in isolation, which is not very nice. The other one would be to do uh, some observations, for example, while trying to control for other factors that can influence the accent. So that would be the genetics, for example, or differences in body size or in, in sex or, or other things. So what we did for the goats, for example, we had the chance to have goat kids born from different mothers or the same mother and they all had the same father. So they were all either full sibling or half sibling and then raised in the same group or in different groups. So we could control for genetic relatedness. And what we saw is that those that grow up in the same group, then over time, they become more similar. So we think it it is some kind of accents. Of course, there are other factors. So it might be that they somehow match each other's emotions. It could be that they are all in the same mood, if you want, and then vocalize more similarly within a group than between groups. So it could be also other factors that we can control for. But that will be the way to go to try to rule out all alternative factors.
1: When you're talking about the language, obviously animals and birds, they don't have language, but they have a a means of communication. Are there certain patterns of sounds that you know what they mean? or you know what the animal is trying to convey and again this this is just about working out where the differences can be ascertained when you're trying to decide whether you know a monkey's got a very strong northern accent for instance
0: In human language, we usually refer to external things. So things that are external to us, that's quite rare in animals. So that's calls we call functionally referential because they refer to something we think is is external. Good examples are vervet monkey calls, alarm calls that refer to either a snake or four different types of predators. It sounds like they do actually say, well, there is a terrestrial or aerial predator. So they refer to something external, but that's quite rare. Their calls will change according to the context context and their emotions and so what we do to know what these calls mean to them at least would be to record them in different contexts and then we can also ask them if that's the information they extract from the calls. so we'll do playback experiments so we play from a speaker we play the sounds and then we see if the response matches what we think is encoded in the calls or at least if they perceive the difference between the calls we play them. So, for example, the most recent study we've done with some colleagues was to build a huge database of calls from pigs that were recorded in different contexts that we could associate to different emotions. And so we ended up with a database of more than 7,000 calls. And then the next step would be to do playbacks. So I played, for example, positive calls to the pigs and negative calls, and I can see that they do react differently. I was expecting them to show more positive signs when I play positive grunts and more negative signs when I play negative Grants, And I found only s- small differences, but they do approach more when I play positive grants, for example.
1: We know humans have a language centre of the brain, but how is that
0: different in animals? So we know a lot about zebra finches that are kind of the laboratory rat of the birds. <laughs> Let's say that have been studied a lot. And we know a lot about rats, vocalizations also, and brain centers. And so we know that especially zebra finches and songbirds, they are vocal learners. They have to learn their song when they grow up. They first babble when they are small chicks, and then they start to learn how to produce the sounds at the right time and in which order, and then they refine it through time. And then when they're grown up, so depending on the species, it will be easier either fixed so they cannot change it anymore or it might still be flexible throughout their life. So it's basically
1: about the vocal cords or what is that bit called in a bird? I don't know. So
0: in a bird we have a syrinx which is a bit similar to what we would have in humans. They can usually modify so they have two sides in their syrinx and they can usually modify them independently so they can produce lots of variation in their songs. And what we know from animals that are vocal learners is that they have more ability to control the vocalizations. Might be because they have a direct connection from the motoric brain regions responsible for controlling the vocal output to the vocal apparatus. So it's that connection
1: that will determine whether or not an animal or a bird can be adaptable when it moves around in terms of dialects.
0: Yeah, exactly. So if they have proper vocal learners on one extreme end of the spectrum, they might be able to produce entirely new sounds and imitate any new sound. So if they move around, then they can at whatever age they move, they can just learn the regional dialect.
1: I'm presuming this is birds who are continually learning. Are there any mammals that are continually learning?
0: Yes, yeah, so we know that, for example, a few examples of, of mammals are definitely vocal learners and can still learn as adults. They are what we call open-ended learners, so uh, whales and dolphins.
1: So with the skylarks, how is it that the differences are discerned? Is it length of call? Is there a shortness? What is it?
0: So it's mainly in the way they produce these small units that we call c labels that I was mentioning before. So basically, if you look at the spectrogram, you can see the shape of the c labels and then you can see, you know, if they first go up or down and they have very specific shapes. So each male Skylarks produce a huge number of these small units. They can produce up to more than 300 different syllables, which is quite rare in in Songbird. It's among the most complex songs that has been described. So not only they have more than 300 of these small units, but they also arrange them in a specific order. So when they sing, they basically start going up in the sky. They will sing when they fly, which is also quite rare. So they will start their song slowly, and then they will circle their fields to say, oh, that's my territory. Then while they fly, they will sing and produce these very long songs that are usually between two, three minutes, but can go up to more than 40 minutes. So extremely long songs. So we basically have some parts of the song that look a bit random, where they just... You know, say whatever they know, <laughs> like all their syllables, and then some parts that are more specific to that individual and some parts that are shared with birds of the neighborhood. What I called phrase, maybe seven, ten syllables that are in a very specific order, which all the males of the neighborhood sing in the same way. So that's what I found when I analyzed the songs and to know if they do use this information. So I did playbacks where I played the songs. So I played, for example, the songs of Bird from the Neighborhood versus a Stranger, what we call the stranger bird, like a bird they don't know. And they react much stronger to the bird they don't know. And then I try to kind of fool them. Okay, so if I take sequences of the dialect, so the dialect itself, these small uh, phrases from the neighborhood, and then I place them inside the song of a stranger, will they think it's a bird of the neighborhood? And indeed they do. So when you put these dialect parts inside the song of a stranger, they react as if it was a bird of the neighborhood. The last thing I did is to see if the order is important. So the order of these phrases. So then I artificially mixed up the syllables around to produce the same syllables, but then and they are not in the same order, and when you mix the order up, they don't recognize it as the dialect. so it's really the order of these seven to ten syllables that is very important for them.:
1: So there are 300 syllables available for use by a skylark.:
0: Or even more, yeah I mean the train was at least 300, but I'm sure if I had analyzed even more song for each bird, I would have found even more than that.: yeah.
1: So mathematically, what are the possibilities of differentials? That a skylark can produce?
0: Uh, I've never calculated that, but that's quite huge. <laughs> they have quite a huge potential. And also, they quite rarely repeat syllables. I mean, they might repeat each of them two, three times and then switch to the next one. But especially in these phrases that are specific to one individual or to the dialect, then they barely repeat them. So there is a very high versatility in these phrases. <laughs>
1: So it's confirmed that both birds and mammals are capable of adopting regional accents and the variety between species is huge. But what exactly is being communicated? How does an accent relate to meaning? By analysing the calls, is it possible to find out what information is being shared?
0: So to know which information is encoded in the call, so then we have to record the animals and see everything we know about when the call was produced by which animal and then we can do some kind of test to see which factors affect which feature of the call so we can look at for example is this feature affected by the context of production the behavior the emotion the animal the sexy the age the location where the animal is etc so that would be to know which information is encoded and then to know which information is decoded so transmitted to others then we have to do playback experiments and see what we find very often is very few calls in animals to something external. This mostly occur in these functionally referential calls to predators. So saying this type of predator, this one that arrives or there is this level of urgency which we see in meerkats and, and vervet monkeys. There are also some animals that indicate when there is food around and how motivated they are about the quality of the food. But mostly... What we find is that they communicate about themselves, so their features, for example, their body size and age and dominance rank or sex, and, and we see that we can find this information, also who they are, because they all have very individualised voices very often.
1: I've got a rather embarrassing tendency when I go into a new group of people who may be from another country of accident. Well, it's not an accident, but I slip into it. I start talking in their accent. When I'm with Irish friends, I will start talking like them. It's a weird thing that I do and I can't help it. But I'm just wondering if this is something that you also see in the animal world, that they sort of adopt a new accent in order to assimilate into a new group.
0: So in humans, we have a huge ability to a lot of control of our calls. So we have huge ability to change them and modify them. We do that a lot also spontaneously when we move to a new place. In animals, you might be able to find that in species that have also lots of ability for vocal learning, but you might also find that in species like the goats I mentioned before where some small parameters might change. There is something very special about some species that I mentioned before. For example, dolphins, they do name each other when they want to address a specific individual. They will target it by imitating the whistle of that individual.
1: My mind is blown. Dolphins within pods, they give each other names.
0: Yeah, that would be something quite similar to names, or at least imitating each other to address each other. They basically imitate the whistle of the individual they want to address. So as if I would always say, LOD, 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 and then when you want to address me, you say LOD, and then I know that you're addressing me. That's amazing.
1: a keen bird watcher and I'm always listening out for bird calls but again I was fascinated to see that ornithologists can tell the birthplace of a white-crowned sparrow just from its bird song which sort of blows my mind that it can be on that micro level that you can listen to a bird singing and they oh yes yes you're from a small village
0: in Surrey. Well, I'm not surprised at all because birds have clearly regional dialects, as we mentioned before. And then people who listen to them a lot would very likely, you know, associate the calls to the birds they know. For example, skylarks, each time, even nowadays, I finished my PhD quite a long time ago, more than 15 years ago. And I would, if I hear a skylark song, even just two seconds, I would know that it's a skylark. And I might even recognize, you know, if it's the phase when they are going up because they do a specific sound when they go up or the phase when they announce that they will go down, they produce specific before they start going down. So my biggest question
1: to you, Elodie, and this is a big one, so you might need to prepare yourself, is what accent should I give my Barnsley-born dogs when I'm pretending they're talking to me?
0: (laughs) So with dogs, we don't think that they have so much ability to learn their sounds or to modify their sounds. So I don't know how much you will be able to to do that.
1: Devastated. I'm Devastated. So the fact that dolphins do impressions of each other in order to get their attention is mind-blowing. The other thing I found incredible was the fact that skylarks sing for 40 minutes without stopping. I mean, for heaven's sake, someone give them a podcast. That's it for us today on Why. Thank you to Elodie Florian Mandelbriefer.
0: Thank you very much.
1: We'll be back with more scientific anomalies, conundrums and weird facts soon. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you don't miss an edition and follow us on social media too. Links are in the show notes. I'm Emma Kennedy, asking Why? See you next time. Why? Was written and presented by Emma Kennedy. The lead producer was Anne-Marie Luff and the audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis and the group editor is andrew harrison artwork is by james parrott theme music is by dj food why is a podmasters production